Hi, this is Mike Mignola, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 261. My name is J.J.M. Clark, J. the Jedi Ross. Ross, Jedi J, as always, it's so wonderful to have all you beautiful babies back here with me in the L5J studios. This week on the show, an old friend returns, a good friend from Boston. He's the writer of The Salvagers, which is now part of the Source Point Press Stable. His name is Bob Sally. He's a sci-fi fan after my own heart been awesome to get to know Bob over the past few years. I met him a couple years ago at C2E2 for the first time after getting to know him a little online. And he's been on the show several times before. And he comes back and we talk about the salvagers and a whole bunch of other stuff. So uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, my conversation this week with Mr. Bob Sally. <laughs> Hello? Dude, my computer just like totally shut down. Ah, I <laughs> thought it might be something like that. So I, I think that I, we're in like this. We bought this house like a year ago, and I have not gone around to check like every outlet. Right. And I think I think I had my computer plugged in an outlet that's not working, so it has not been charging at all. So I think the battery just drained out. Beautiful. We're prepared, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) This is the shit that should be recorded right now. People would love this. Is this? This should be. Yeah, this is recording. You know, the funniest thing ever is uh, somebody was asking me about my live videos that I do, like the Facebook lives I do. And um, they were asking for advice and everything. And I was like, honestly, I was like, just do them. I was like, the first time I did one, I mean, I was like so prepared I had everything, like I had notes, like I, I had it mapped out. I knew exactly how long it was going to take. I read it over and over again. And then I had my ba- – I went and uh, we were in this apartment that had a movie room. So I booked the movie room to do this live, this Facebook Live. And I had – I was like, I am so prepared for this. And I go down there and I put my banner up behind me so people would have like the salvagers thing to look at as I talk about comic books. Well, when I did all the tests and everything and I did my test run, I didn't have the banner up. So with the banner up, the light sensor went and it didn't see any movement in the middle of in the middle of my Facebook live feed. The lights in the room went off. Oh, no. (laughs) So I I told the guy that I'm like and honestly, I was like and I mean, like at the time, like I had like a lot of people watching, which I was shocked as shit. But, uh, you know, they loved it. You know, and some people were like, they were posting it and they're like, watch at this minute mark, you know, at this time mark as like the lights go out. And uh, I was like, so, you know, sometimes like you fuck up, but it's it ends up working in your favor. I was like, but that's how you learn. You know, it's uh, technology is amazing and it affords us so many incredible opportunities, but it it also makes us pay for it a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. Do you have any idea how many recordings I've lost over the years for whatever stupid technical reason? 
You know, I've sat there for hours and talked to people and none of it recorded. I think that you and I actually, <laughs> you and I actually had one of those. And I tell people, I don't say you as a person, but I'm like, I tell people when like uh, I do a podcast and they're like, oh, you know, this, that goes wrong. And I've told people, I'm like, I've actually done like an hour long podcast. And the person came back to me and was like, hey, um, we need to reschedule. I didn't record that. And that's like, it's, and it's no big deal. It's like, yeah, you know what? I had fun talking to you. I'll talk to you again for an hour. That's how you have to look at it. You have to Absolutely. look at it like, you know, you had a great conversation, which you would have yeah. had with your friends half the time without actually, you know, it's practice caring yeah. if you were recording it anyways. You know what I mean? So yeah. absolutely. It's uh hold on. Audio settings. Sounds audio settings. Can I turn this down a bit? Let me see. Why doesn't my volume want to turn down, man? Like anywhere I go. That's weird. Can you reboot your computer? No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's like, that would be an hour. That, yeah, I'm not doing that. Forget that. There should be another volume controls. I'm like, surprised that you don't have a, a key on your keyboard that you could turn down your volume. Well, there's like a button, but it doesn't seem to be working. Oh, geez, hold on a sec. Hello? Hey. Hi, how are you? You're on live on An Elegant Weapon with Bob Sally and Jay Clark. How's it going? Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> You won tickets to you too. Yeah, we're. How you doing, buddy? How you doing? Um, yeah. I'm imagine I'm assuming this is Aaron. Yeah, this is Aaron. She can't hear you, but you can hear oh. her because I got the headphones on. But yeah, Bob says hello, Aaron. Hello. So are you coming home then? Yeah. Uh, shortly, I'm just updating my computer to Windows 10 to reinstall some other applications that will work. And that'll be home. So See? I'm hoping that'll be done in the next half hour. See, just like we were just talking about. It's a, it's a, it's a curse and a blessing technology all yeah. at the same time. <laughs> all right, do your thing. We'll see you soon. All right. Okay, bye. This is turning out to be one of the most interesting podcasts I've ever <laughs> recorded. I'm going to try one more thing. I've got personalized... I can't find my control panel. Like, you know how the computer just normally has, like, a control yeah. panel? Yeah. That's like a, you, you. You always want to like put that thing like on your like a, get like a little desktop option. Well, I, yeah, I usually have an icon for it. Maybe if I lower down my mic, it'll lower down your volume. Did I just blow your mind? I don't think so. But you just kind of blew my mind a little. <laughs> what if I talk? Oh yeah. What, what if I talk thing. quietly? I'll just whisper this one. Let's whisper this one. <laughs> Here, what, you know, it's actually good. I think I found a good placement for my headphones where they're kind of half on my ears. There you go. You know what I mean? So I'll just adjust your volume later on in the editing process. So, Bob, without further ado. <laughs> you know, this is kind of funny. It kind of segues into something that I was thinking about <clears throat> earlier that I was going to talk to you about. And online, on various social media platforms, you constantly see new creators seeking advice and tutelage on using social media and what are the best techniques and the best ways and the best platforms and the best times and the best kind of posts and that, you know, there's so much to learn. But I, I was thinking about the fact that, you know, the people who are successful at it and the people who people go to most for advice and want to model their campaigns often after are guys like you and guys like Dirk Manning and guys like, you know, 
that, who basically, I think, figured out that the trick is to just do it. To just do it to such an extent <clears throat> that, you know, I, that's about it. Like, there's nothing yeah, it, else to say. People are always asking advice, and I'm like, you know, half the time that you're posting questions about asking advice, those posts should actually be about whatever it is you're trying to push into the world, right? Yeah. Like, no, and I, uh, I mean, I tend to shy away from telling people to just do it because I don't want to get that Shay LaBeouf gif in the comments anymore but it's but you know and as crazy as that guy is like it's just true like like he said like just do it i mean i remember when um facebook live uh came out and you and i talked about it before i don't know i mean we did record it but um but when facebook live first came out i was like such panic stricken because i don't i didn't like at the time, I did not like putting my face out there, and I didn't like I didn't like talking. Even when I did these Kickstarters, um, I didn't like doing a video of me talking about it, just because like I, I wasn't comfortable with it. Um, so Facebook Live was going off, and everybody like it was the thing you, you almost like as a creator, you had to do it. Um, and I, I, I remember like I was talking to my wife, and I, I weighed like weeks of planning this and mapped it out. <laughs> like I had notes and everything. And, uh, and I went through and I did tests. I knew where I was going to do it. I was in this room. It was a movie room in the, uh, apartment that we were in. And I mean, I had it all done. Like I, I probably did like three or four test runs just to see how long it was going to take. And, and I had scheduled it and I was updating people like, Hey, you know, like this is the night that I'm going to do it. And, uh, and I did it. And then, and basically it was talking about, you know, the process of coming up with a concept for a comic book and taking it and finding an artist and going from concept to print. And, uh, you know, and so the night of I go down there and I got the room booked and I put my banner up behind me. So as I'm doing the, the video, people could see like, you know, they, they'd have like they wouldn't see like the door behind me. Mm. So I put the banner up and this was the one thing that I didn't do in all my tests. I didn't put the banner up. And as I put the banner up and I'm probably like, I would say 15 to 20 minutes into the, the live feed that I'm doing or, you know, giving my little concept to print tutorial and the room had a light sensor. And so because the banner was up, the light sensor did not see me and the lights went out in the room and we're talking pitch black. And, uh, you know, and, and I immediately like I immediately jumped up and started waving my arms and everything, which I think as the light went on. Everybody saw me doing like acting like, you know, a freaking marionette. That's brilliant. And, you know, the lights came back on and everybody just started commenting, like laughing and, like you know, and people were posting, <laughs> like people were sharing it and like telling people like watch at this point. And, uh, you know, and it was fun. And, and but it was like, again, it was you, you're going to make a, your mistakes. Well, it's kind of a lesson. Yeah, you know, like no matter, you, learn, you yeah. learn a lesson from that in the way that, you know, you realize, you know what? That's what people want is you and they yeah. want the real you and they want exactly. real and they want to and, engage, right? And no matter how much planning you do for something, there's so many – like there's elements that are beyond your control that are going to happen. So just do it and try not to – like it's scary. You know, I just took my daughter to get her shots today and it's scary. Like she doesn't know it. She doesn't understand it and she was freaking out. But uh, it's after you do it enough, like you get – you're like, OK, like this is – these are some of the things that are going to happen – uh, you know, like me now, like, I mean, I remember like when I was like 25 years old, I still hated shots, but I'm like, you know what? I look away. It's a little prank. And, you know, and so as you do things and, you, and again, you do it, um, it becomes easier. 
dude, you know, dude, it, hold on. La- last week, I cut myself pretty bad at work, right? Uh, to the point of needing stitches on my under my left arm, right? So I go to the doctor and they clean it all up, and it's actually in a way that they can't stitch it or the skin would tear, so they got to tape it, right? So they're like handling it, pushing it all together. The nurse is like squeezing it together and taping it, and they're pouring stuff all over it, right? And then the doctor's like, you need a tetanus shot. And I was like, oh, God. And so she goes around to, like, give me the tetanus shot, and I'm, like, wincing. And she's like, are you kidding? You've got, like, three, like, Wolverine-sized gashes on your arm, and you're wincing at the little needle that's going to poke you. And it's just, it's you know, it's just you go yeah. back to being a little kid, right? Yeah, you're like, it's a needle. Needles yeah. are the worst. Yeah, totally. Needles are the worst thing ever. And I think it's because you, re- like, you regress to that childhood where you're like, this is the word. I mean, like she looked at me because I had to hold her down, like when they were giving it, and she looked at me like you, you're like you're, you're the bad guy, you traitor. Um, yeah, you know. But yeah, I mean, that's just it's doing the thing, you know. Like again, like just get out there and do it. And and social media. Speaking of Facebook Live, social media is an ever changing animal. Oh yeah. So and, and if you're not adapting to it, then you're gonna fall behind. The the Kickstarter that I'm doing now. I have luckily enough, I have a friend of mine who's been in marketing and advertising for, you know, 25 years. So he told me, he's like, start making little videos. He's like, just make like little, you know, little 15 second videos or 20 second videos. Like, it doesn't have to be long. He's like, but they're, they're very engaging on Twitter. And I've like, I've never even thought about doing that. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so I'm like on movie maker, I'm so like, I'm a grandpa when it comes to technology. I'm learning movie maker right now. Yeah. It's like movie maker and it's easy. It's like, it's so easy. So I'm making like these little videos and as I'm doing them, I'm like, this is fun, you know? So, um, and I made them and I put them on Twitter and they are like, I look and it's like 30 minutes later, it's like 15 retweets and it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so yeah. So I'm like, you know, and it's, it's great and people are engaging in them. So he said it. I'm curious. Well, he just then. yeah. Go on. Sorry. Well, he just he, he said he was. I mean, he, this guy he knows all the analytics and everything. And he's like, he goes. He said he's like when when you have a little video, it's statistically proven that it's like ninety percent more engaging than text or pictures. So you know, I'm I'm a changed man. I never knew that. So you have to always be, and you can't be somebody that's like, now fuck that. Like yeah, I don't yeah. do video. Like you have to you have to say like, okay, like you can't be that guy. Who's like I don't like change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to be accepting of it, and you have to you have to try it, you have to do it, and experiment with it, and do it to an extent where you're like, you know what, you might not do it right, and and you might fail at it. But the great thing is, is that in social media, if you don't do something right and it sucks, it goes away. Oh yeah, you know, it just yeah, it just yeah. disappears. You can move on and make the next thing. I need to give a little uh, PSA for tonight. Uh, Bob and I, we've gotten to know each other a little bit over the past few years doing shows together. Bob's such a wonderful dude, a good friend, and I just want everyone to know that he's one of the most verbose guests I've ever had on An Elegant Weapon. And I mean that in all the most positive ways, but what it will also mean is a heavy amount of me probably having to interrupt Bob tonight. <laughs> so don't everybody think it's I'm being trying to be rude or anything, but I, I got to get a word in or we might as well just record Bob talking to himself for an hour. Because I have things I want to ask Bob. And one of the things is going back to, you know, you're good at learning as you're talking, you know, you make your mistakes. Now, before you even started making comics and selling comics, how did public speaking ever come up 
with you, Never. were you ever a confident enough person, like giving presentations or in class or anything like that? Or I mean, you had to do them. I had to do them like in class, but I hated it. And I you're think a good I, speaker, I, I, I did, as I, much as you say you're not, you know, all that used to it and confident, you know. Well, and I think it's like as well. I think as I've started doing uh, comic books, I realized that doing podcasts, doing interviews, doing you know Facebook Live, it's an essential part of getting your word out there and. Not only making your comic book a brand, but making you as a writer a brand. So you, it's very important. And like you mentioned, Dirk Manning, um, I'm sure that there's people that are in the indie comic book world that know who Dirk Manning is that's never read anything that he's read. Guaranteed. Or that, I'm sorry, anything that he's written because he's branded himself. And oh, yeah. it's a very important part because when he does a Kickstarter, people are going to be like, oh, Dirk Manning's doing a Kickstarter. I know him. I'm going to yeah. back him. You know, so – it's uh so doing that I, I realize like if you don't brand yourself, you might kind of like you know you're you're gonna be lost in in the mist. So. so how were the first few shows for you having to really oh. you know talk to people and get it out there? Was that hard? Oh, absolutely. I had no idea what I was in for. I mean, the first podcast I did, like you call me very robust. Like the first po- podcast I did, like I don't think I let anybody get a word in edgewise. I think it was horrible. <laughs> I think I was in a room where, like, it, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I have like one of these uh, blue Yeti mics now, and yeah, you know, yeah I got the. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm like, if I'm gonna do it, like, you know, do it right, do it professionally. But I was in a room where, like, when you li- when I listened to it, it was like there was so much echo. I was like, anybody listening to this? I would I would have turned it off. If right. I was my own dad, I would have been like, I can't listen to this. It's horrible. <laughs> so uh, so, but in, like, and then there was a part of me thinking like, I'll never do another one. Like anybody listen to that, they'll never invite me on a show again. But in turn, I was like, you know what? No, I I want to book more. I, yeah. I need more practice. Again, do it. Like do more and get better at it. So um, you know, it was one of those things where it was like you're afraid to jump. So you just have to jump. Sure, you know, sure, you know, sure. So, uh, and podcasting so, yeah. can be like you said about tweets. Like you know, you move on and you forget. Like I'm what? Like some people take every episode like it's so important, but I I treat my podcast like a journey. It's a it's like a collection. It's like an ongoing story. So some episodes I'm willing to not you know not necessarily be like throwaways, but you know I'm willing to try something. I'm willing to shoot something. You know, and sometimes you know something doesn't work out well. Well, whatever. You move on to the next episode and. Don't beat yourself up about it. You know what I mean? Like, especially absolutely. with podcasting, it's about the journey, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, 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 I love all you guys. Um, you know, the podcasters that, and you guys have such a, like, an amazing so net. <laughs> well, yeah, there, I mean, there are, but, uh, you guys are each doing like your own unique thing. And, uh, and I really appreciate it. And I think anybody that's doing, you know, if you're, if you're an indie comic, uh, writer, artist, if you're somebody who's in like uh, the independent music scene, it's just it's such an essential part because you're not going to you know, it's, you don't have the opportunities to get on the radio, you know, during, you know, the, the morning commute, you know, so it's there's got to be a way that you have to figure out how do I, you know, how do I get my word out there and to have like you, you know, the podcasting community, uh, you can do so much work you could do like you could do a podcast every night. If you do your research and you oh, find sure. different regions and uh, and you find ones that are, are good, I mean, like you know, we we love Jason Clark and the Elegant Weapon. It's uh, you know, it, you have such a niche for it, and it's you know, it's so much different than say uh, the Cutting Room Floor with Casey Ryan. Uh, you know, it's 
there it's each one has its own flavor so um just oh, like yeah, you know that's the great thing like one thing uh, well one of the things i'm proudest about my show is it's it's almost more successful amongst the creators themselves than it is actual fans of those creators as much as they do listen and there's a you know there's a healthy audience for that and they like to get to know their creators which is one cool thing about my show that we're not just like 10 15 minute sound bites about what you're doing you know we talk about shit we have a conversation which is cool and that's that's something i'm proud of where other you know creators like to get to know each other and hear about each other's processes and about each other's inspirations it's not necessarily just the same thing about the same you know Where'd this idea for this comic come from? Or where'd yeah. this, you know, so you, you try to mix it up a little. Like, you know, we haven't even mentioned a single title of your work yet. Yeah. Which we'll get to, of course, and I'll, I'll probably have mentioned in the intro, but that's not the point. The point is anybody listening to this right now is getting to know Bob Sally. And if anybody gets to know Bob Sally and likes Bob Sally, then they're going to want to check out Bob Sally's work. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. my show isn't necessarily look at this book. This book is awesome. My book, my show is more, you know, meet this creator and then check out their amazing work because they're amazing. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And the more I know somebody like like you, where you've been on the show a lot and we've hung out a lot, you know, it's easier to get deeper or kind of talk about other stuff. It's a little harder when you've never really because I do a lot of shows where I've never met somebody before. You know, we have to go into it. Just one sec, uh, hey, uh, Mr. Dex. Can we maybe quiet quiet down the Lego play for a few minutes over there? Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Sorry there. My kid's just, uh, he was in the, the, the Lego sound effects are starting to get a little. Do not edit. Yeah, do not edit that out. Oh, he never gets edited out, man. He's, all, he's always hanging out. So, but you know what I mean? That It is yeah. awesome. Everybody's got their niche, you know? And then there's guys like uh, Derek Becker and Comic Pros and Cons and uh, Aaron Broverman of Speech Bubble where – you know, especially Aaron Broverman, this guy's a journalist, like in other, you know, he's worked for other areas, HuffPost in Canada and stuff. And, you know, he goes serious. Like, if you ever get a chance to talk with Aaron Broverman, unfortunately, he only does Toronto comics. But uh, as much as I've tried to yank him out of that here and there, but that's his thing. And he does, you know, Toronto's comic book luminaries. But he goes, he goes deep. He's like, okay, so what was your mother's name? Did she hug you enough? Like, <laughs> did this lead to that comic? You know, like I'm exaggerating, of course. But and that technique is great too. I love to listen to Aaron shows and, you know, hear the history of things and stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's good times. It's good stuff. So why don't we then venture into since we've talked about Bob Sally so much uh, and podcasting. Into the actual comic book making, the Sally verse itself, which the Sally verse, it's even getting confusing for me. So <laughs> let's lay it out for the fucking people because things start with the Salvagers. Well, that's yeah, that's where uh, I I entered into the uh, world of making comic books with Salvagers. Right. Um, <clears throat> when I when I found Salvagers, uh, or when I did, you know came up with the concept of it, uh, I was I had writer's block in prose. And I just started, I had this idea of like, all right, well, what if there's like, you know, these guys that have to clean up space shit. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, and then I just started writing, uh, basically I was just like, okay, like we have a company and, uh, they're, you know, they, they get commissioned to clean up wrecks in space. And then of course they have, there's so many wrecks in space that they have so many ships. They send, it's almost, you know, they're like, they have a dispatch where it's like, okay, you, you know, you're going to this quadrant, you're going to this quadrant. So I'm like, all right, what what occupations would be on this ship? You know, you gotta have a captain, you gotta have a pilot, gotta have like, you know, a, a maintenance crew. Uh, you know, so at the end of the day, I was like, I had like nine characters on this ship, 
And uh, and then one day I just came out. I was like, you know what? Let's, I have always loved comic books. I've always loved sci-fi. So I was like, you know what? Let's do it as a science fiction comic book. So not knowing anything of how to write comic books, but I did take, you know, playwriting. Uh, I never did any kind of screenwriting, but, you know, I, like anybody, like you're, if you're going to do something, you're going to research it and you're going to figure out like how to do it. But the first thing I wanted to do is say, like, has anybody done this yet? So I just scoured the Internet and I can't I, the, the closest thing I came up with was uh, Rick Remender's Fear Agent. And so I immediately like went and bought all that and uh, read all that. I'm like, OK, it's not like that. But um, I saw that Dark Horse Comics on their online, you know, on, on their online uh, Facebook their website, they had a submission page. So again, like being very green to this whole process, I'm thinking like, oh, so if you have an idea for a comic book, you just write the script. They have a they they have a template. <laughs> Dark Horse has like this is what our template looks like. And I mean, like Dark Horse, I, I gotta say, anybody that's entering into comics. If you go to Dark Horse Comics, they they make it – if you don't talk to anybody else and you just look at Dark Horse Comics, they make it seem like it's very easy and all you have to do is send them a script you know, with like a, a, a treatment, a synopsis, and uh, if it's good enough, they'll take it. So that's where I was. I was like, OK, I'm going to send this to Dark Horse Comics. <laughs> so I started writing the script. I didn't send it to them yet. But uh, I started writing the script and I took their template. I was writing the script and I didn't even start looking for an artist. I, I, I found a guy who was doing concept art because I was like, I, for me, I was like, I want to see my character. Jesus Christ, Bob. The only writer I know who would pitch his idea to Dark Horse before he even found an artist to write to draw it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, and, and I mean, we're talking, this is like 2000. Like Facebook didn't exist or if it did, you know, it was still like owned by the, you know, the army uh, – Dude, that's no, not no, even green. Guys. That's like still the seed in the ground. It's so <laughs> bad. It's so bad. But uh, so yeah. So um, anyway, I get the I get the concept work done, and then as I went on, like you know, people artists were like, uh, you know, you probably want to do the work first. So you know, and again, like I'm not somebody who was like, ah, I think from reading Dark Horse submission guidelines, I know more than you. Uh, <laughs> so I, I did. I was like, you know what, you're probably right. Like, let, let's do the work first. So I did. You know, I started getting into it, and we started doing the work, and um, you know, and some things came along. Uh, some publishers who I'd rather not have ever been with came along, and uh, I, I learned my I learned my lessons the hard way by paying for it. And um, it was I got to a point where I did I had volume one done, and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back to Dark Horse Comics now that I have volume one done. It's a long shot. It's uh, it's very raw, but I'm going to send it to them because I, I want them to at least see it and say, like, you know what? It's not there yet, but, you know, we know your name now. Get some feedback. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So I send them a package and in the package, I sent them the comic book and uh, and the T-shirt, one of my one of my got wrecked T-shirts with the Salvagers logo. And I send it to them. Never hear back from them. And we're talking probably years later. A buddy of mine sends he, he sends me a picture. I and, remember this. I remember yeah. this. And if you ever read Dark Horse comics, at the end of their issues, they sometimes have a little page homage to their you know a department, their sales department, their marketing department, their mailroom department. And this one was a picture of their mailroom department, 
And this guy sent me a picture saying, like, dude, how cool is this? One of the guys in the picture in the mailroom was wearing my Got Rec t shirt. <laughs> and the first thing I said was, so my package never made it to admit never made it further than the mail. <laughs> like they just opened it up and the, somebody got the comics, somebody got the picture. <laughs> but uh, you know, it was it was nice to at least have uh the, the at least they wore it for picture day and it was uh you know, on the back of a Hellboy comic book. But yeah, I mean, that's like, you know, that's an experience. That's where you're like it's it's a fun journey. Some things are going to happen that are going to be fun. Some things are going to happen that are going to suck, but if you stick with it, the things that suck, you look back at as uh, learning experiences and hopefully you can, you know, better yourself and move up the ladder. And, well, it's uh, been fun to see it though too cuz I first met you face to face at C2E2. What was that? 2 or 3 years ago? 2 years yeah. ago? And you're with a different publisher at the time. Yep. And, you know, things feel like they're really ready to start moving. You know, the wrench has been made. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, th- you know, you're ready to go. And, you know, things change. <clears throat> things, you know, move in other ways. And by the fates of the gods, uh, in some way, along comes Source Point Press. Yeah. Um. Before I get too in- deep into that, I should stay with the with the process that I had like ten minutes ago. Was the Sallyverse thing because you've you've broken things off. Let's just do this quickly and just to break it down. So we start with the sal with the Salvagers, right? Yeah. And then you have a little spinoff, Starlight Tavern. Yes. Yep. Starlight Tavern was the uh, the you know the the comedic side of the universe. Right. Now, lay out where everything's gone from there just by, like, volumes and series and, like, collections and how the hell this is all working. Uh, well, I mean, it's kind of like – it's it's just – it's been neurotic. If I, that's how I would put it. It's been neurotic where it's like you feel like you have to continue, like constantly be putting something out. So you kind of get ahead of yourself. And I think uh, for me, my success has been dumb luck where I'm probably putting out I'm, – I'm putting comics out. And it hasn't been at the pace that I've wanted to, but Starlight Tavern came about because I was like, if I have to wait five months in between a 24 page issue, I, I want to retain the fame ba- fan base. So I started doing like the, the weekly little tavern in the salvages world where, you know, the characters are still like, you know, they're not the same characters, but they're the same species and you could do crossovers and all that to retain that fan base. <clears throat> um, as as that has gone on, uh, you know, it's been successful and the, the, the fan base has stayed and it's grown, which is great. But, um, you know, that's my main focus is telling, you know, finishing this story, this three act story. Uh, the first act, Abandoned Cargo, where you get to know the four main characters. Uh, Rec Raiders is the, you know, the Empire Strikes Back where, you know, at the end, you know, you're going to be left kind of like, what the hell? And then at the you know the the third which is a working title the Havoc of Blackbane is the you know that Return of the Jedi where like you have that finality and after that you know it's um, you know uh, Travis McIntyre the editor in chief of Source Point Press he and I have talked you know where we're gonna keep going on obviously but okay, it's gonna now be now that's interesting because I know I know you've had this certain massive epic story saga arc and. When it gets to the end of it, because I've always seen Salvagers as something that would continue on, is a story that, you know, could just keep going, like a regular ongoing series. I know for a fact 
that's something that Travis McIntyre, the madman himself, is actually not a huge fan of. Not that he's not against, at all. Not, yeah, yeah, not <laughs> that he's like completely against it. But for Source Point, that's not his model. He yeah. likes miniseries and little bits and things and that and this and that here and there. So you know, if you're the guy to actually break that mold, because I've known some excellent, excellent books that I know Travis has rather enjoyed. And the only reason I think that, you know, things didn't go further with that was because they were kind of an ongoing thing and he was not attracted to that. So how did you break this code? How? Well, I, I mean, I would like to think that, and I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't thinking I, here. <laughs> Travis going to hear this. Like, Travis is going to be like, off. Oh, we're done after volume three. I don't know what you're thinking. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I like to think that, um, Travis sees the fan base growing. Uh, I'd like to think that he sees the potential of, you know, one shots, you know, like this is the epic series. I mean, Travis and I talk a lot and, um, you know, it's probably not, he, you know, when he, when we talk a lot, he's probably rolling his eyes and he's probably like, I got to talk to Bob again. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, it, it's funny because last night we're, you know, there's a series, there's a, there's a, there's a comic book that, you know, is going to be in the work soon. And one of the things that Travis said, like verbatim, is you need to stop thinking about the epic tale. Uh, so, and so you're right. Like, like Travis, and when we talked, when we talked about bringing Salvagers to Source Point Press, uh, you know, he and he did. He said he's like, I'm not a big fan of bringing ongoing series to, you know, I, he's like, I just don't think that they work on an indie level. So I like to think that. <clears throat> from seeing the work that I put out there and building the fan base that I built that after this volume three, that like we could do a trade paper, like we could do a graphic novel, a salvages graphic novel once a year. Sure. You know, and it, and it, so, just, sure. Th honestly, that sounds like compromise. Yeah. And I'm and I, and honestly, <laughs> I mean like where, yeah. where I am now compared to where I was when I started it is it, it's, it's not exactly a step back. It's not like I mean, it's not what I thought what I would do with Salvagers. I thought that I would be like I'll just keep writing stories and stories and stories. But because I've had other opportunities and because I have other stories that I want to tell, I think that I would like to do almost. It's 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 you know to get back to naming you know name dropping. Um, you know, I I talked to Dirk Manning once and he said he's like you know us comic book writers have to look at ourselves as novelists. And novelists put out a book a year. I mean, like Stephen King puts out like a book a week. Oh, he's back in the day, incredibly but, prolific. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, but you look at a good, like a, a good novelist puts out a a, a book a year. Uh, so us, you know, us, you know, graphic novel writers, uh, you know, we should look at us ourselves the same way. Not to say that we don't put out side stories or we contribute to anthologies, but yeah, put out a, a book a year. And I would love it. I would love nothing more than to be able to say, like, you know, I do one uh, each year. There's going to be a Salvagers graphic novel. That would uh, be, of course, you dive into other things as well. Oh, right? oh yeah. Like, yeah. Like but this is also a new model for Travis in a way, because I don't think ever before Salvagers has he picked up a book that kind of was already established to the extent in a way that Salvagers was. And it kind of came with a pre-made beginning of a nice fan base you know what i mean most other source point projects except maybe dead duck and zombie chick um are you know products that kind of came in already birthed you know and, and I, I think that's a new kind of deal for source point to be dealing with as well yeah well and i mean i've, I've always said you know when I, I i think that source point press picked salvagers up because of that 
Uh, I, I think I it's I more think than that, that, though. I think that there is something about SourcePoint and something that's very important about SourcePoint is that Travis, a lot of this, as much as he's, you know, so good and so smart in so many ways, and he's got, you know, his actual factual scientific side of his brain going on <laughs> and running all this, there, he does allow his gut to get involved. And I think it felt, even for all the community in that circle, at least the Michigan circle, um, you know, it, it felt right. It felt natural. Like it, it was, you know, it was like you, you, you were almost one of the gang already. So it just felt like it was the, it was like it was being called home to source point in a way. At least, you know, at least that's my kind of yeah. outlook of the whole thing. So it's kind of like it was meant to be. So now there's just going to be, you know, it's going to be a new birthage for everybody, right? Yeah. And no, and I totally agree. And I mean, I think before I even knew it, um, I think the moment that I I recognized who SourcePoint Press was, I recognized the you know where they were going. It was it wasn't even a potential thing. It was it was just like a foregone conclusion. Like SourcePoint Press is going to be a big time publisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, give them time. They it's going to happen. And if you're listening to this and you're if you're listening to this, you know who SourcePoint Press is because I know Jason Clark, the love that you give them. But uh, anybody that's listening to it because they're following me and they're like, okay, well, I want to listen to Bob Sally. I don't know who SourcePoint Press is. You're going to. Uh, SourcePoint Press, if you're into comic books, uh, there's going to be, you know, some big things coming from them. Um, you know, I, I always look at the, you know, the uh, I Hate Fairyland, uh, you know, like the the Chew, like those type of comic books that are making other publishers big. Uh, I see that coming to SourcePoint Press. Uh, they already have it. I mean, Monstrous is huge. Uh, mm. You know, uh, Nora, like they, they, they know, they, they see the creators and they invest in the creators, but the stories are there. Uh, so I, I'm excited. And it's, I, I was, I was doing a signing and Stan Kanopka, mm-hmm. uh, if I got that name right. You I mean, did. I love, you did. I love Stan to death, but that might be the first time that I've actually ever st- said your name out loud. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's funny. Well, you nailed was, it, buddy. Yeah, he was uh, he was at the signing with me, and he was just there uh, like for support. And one thing that he said to me when, when I looked at him and I was like, "Brother, like I couldn't agree with you more," is that he said he was like, you know, a lot of creators out there are looking like to grab their ring, and he's like, and now that I'm with SourcePoint Press, like that is my ring. Like I don't need anything more. Like that's where I want to be. Like SourcePoint Press is going places and i'm glad that i'm with them like that is the that's my mecca like that's the place i don't need to be at idw i don't need to be at image and i was like when he said that i was like honestly one of the things that travis said to me when we first started talking about salvagers was like you know how do i know like you know you you don't get popular and you take this to image and i said i was like honestly travis i want to join source point press and i want to be a part of what makes source point press blow up as you all do you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah. so, you know, I, and, and it wasn't great. easy for Stan because, you know, mind you, remember, Stan's been along for this weapon ride since the very beginning. That's why every yeah. one of these shows is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. And, you know, he the man with no horse, of course, came first. Of course, of course, the man with no horse. And Stan has always been a guy who does things himself. I mean, he's just one of those you want it done right, you do it yourself type guys. And he was absolutely hellbent on publishing these books himself, not just being the writer, but being so much more in the process, you know, added on to him publishing it himself. And when he finally was able 
too, even though it came through years of us getting to know and all becoming friends in the community, in the Michigan community at least, and you know him out in Philly, but still becoming part of this, it, the timing was beautiful where it came to a point where it was like, Stan, you need to just shut up and write and do nothing else and let those words pour out of you. And you know he could never just do that until he got to know SourcePoint enough to a point where they got to know him enough that they gave him a chance to do that. And when he got the opportunity in his life to do absolutely n- nothing but write these stories, that's when it really clicked. And it's uh, all yeah. so evident in The Rejected. The Rejected just turned out phenomenal. Like, yeah, he's one of machine. my best friends in the world. Stan, I love you. It's even better than I thought. Like, it's, <laughs> but that's been happening a lot lately. I got a, a preview the other night. I can't say who and I can't say what. But I got to read the preview of a comic coming, or graphic novel at least coming out soon, uh, soonish, and uh, I'm blown away. This is someone who's been a friend to me for a long time, right? And I read this thing, and I was so unbelievably impressed. I just got back to him. I was like, "Dude, this is good. Like, this is really, really good." And this isn't his if, first if I, attempt. If, He's done other stuff. If I, if I guess, will you say yes or no? Um. <laughs> Yeah, you can always. It. You can try guessing. Is it's it is it is it Bodhi World? No, 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 no. It's not Bodhi. I I get sneak peeks to Bodhi, but Bodhi's not done yet. Yeah, uh, this, I didn't. Oh, I I didn't know if it was done yet or not. That's when you. This when week, you said it was done, I was like, oh shit, is that done? This very weekend, he's finishing it. You should. Jay is tired and sore, and his arms yeah. are about to fall off, and he's been coloring all mad. But the whole book should be done this weekend. But this is another book in particular. But the whole point is, I've seen his first couple endeavors, which were very good, and you see the growth, and you love it. But then when that moment clicks, when they've finally found that thing, that passion project that is so part of them that. You know, it just helped. They naturally step up talent wise just because of the heart wise part of it, right? And I'm just so happy to see that. And the same thing happened with Stan. When Stan finally got to just sit down and write the damn rejected, now he can't stop. Yeah. Now he's on like a 24 hour a day Stephen King style (laughs) writing binge. And I I worry that, like, well, you see him on Facebook and sometimes you're like, sleep. Yeah, but I've actually never seen him happier. That's the thing. No, too. he's great. Yeah, he's as much so as he bad. doesn't sleep, and you know he's got his shit going on, like we all do. I've yeah. never seen him this just in control of it. Like he's it just—he's found his purpose. He, he yeah. like he's more fulfilled, you know, than I've seen him in a long time. He's gonna have difficulty listening to this, and I know you're having difficulty <laughs> listening to this, Stan. But it's true. He's a talented motherfucker. You know, different times I've seen him write like different, like he'll write three sentences and I wouldn't even believe he wrote it because it really is that deep. Like Stan can get deep. You know what I mean? It's it's not just good story and dialogue, but his actual prose are are really, really good, you know? So, yeah, yeah. but source point, man, it just makes sense. Like, you know, it's a family and you guys were kind of already part of the blood so well and that's the thing i mean when i when i talked to so originally um you know to 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 go back uh, before i talked to anybody at source point press i was talking to gary reed um and i was looking at caliber and he was actually the one that told me he's like you should talk to travis mcintyre and uh source point press and he's like and it's not that i i I wouldn't want to bring you on to caliber he's like i just think that source point press is where you need to be Right. Which, um, you know, was was amazing for me because it was like, this is a guy like I where I came from and the, the the people that I've been with. It was uh, it was all about me, like me, 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 like not me, but like, you know, 
them, them, them. Uh, and it was, but the, the fact that Gary Reed was like, I have this guy who's coming to me and like, like asking like, Hey, would you take this? And he said, he, like, he basically was like, go to them. Like, those are the people, that's where you should be. And I, the only, and then I said, I was like, the only reason that I wouldn't go to source point press is because they never did any, like, there's no sci-fi. Uh, that's, that doesn't seem, and I, you know, and, and anybody that's listening that if you're new, like, if you're looking to submit to publishers, right. Look, always look to see what publishers do. Yeah. Read their material because then, and, uh, and I was like, well, I, like source point press is, they, they're mainly horror. Uh, so I did, I, I was at C2E2 the, the, the time that we met and I actually went over and I, I went and talked to Gary and right next to him was SourcePoint Press and Gary immediately introduced me to Travis. Uh, and, you know, and then later on I ended up talking to Travis and, uh, and we talked in depth and I felt like it, it was a huge, uh, uh, feeling of, you know, accomplishment for me like that this this company that really doesn't do sci-fi was going to take me on and if if salvagers was the thing that they were going to take on that was going to bring sci-fi into their repertoire uh you know i was honored to do that um but yeah it, it so to go back to what you're saying like it almost it did it seemed like it was meant to be and now more so than ever like being with them um i i do i feel like it's a family like i feel like you know, you feel like it's that image thing going on in the 90s. Now. Sure, yeah, yeah. But, you know, like yeah, there, yeah. there's some amazing creators that are all getting together. I mean, Dirk Manning is doing, you know, his Twisted with, uh, you know, with SourcePoint Press. Like they are, they're going out there and they're making things happen. Is this his first time doing anything with them? I feel like he was involved in something that was SourcePoint related. But you might right? just like but, he had just a, like a part in something. It's you know, and that's one of the things like I have to ask him. Yeah. I always knew that uh, he was you know with Devil's Due. Yeah. But um, there was always it always seemed like there was an affiliation between Dirk Manning and SourcePoint Press. Well, it's just uh, a family in Michigan. Like we all know it, and we've all exactly. been around. The family have, in Michigan's amazing. It's uh, unreal. It's something that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like I don't know what's in the water there, but. Beyond the comics, it's it's an incredible group of people who are so unbelievably supportive of each other. All they want to do is hold yeah. each other up in real it's life a, yeah. and in, in comic book life and in con life. And I see it spreading. I see it being – it's such a powerful thing that you know I've tried to bring it home with me here to Toronto. And I even see – see, Toronto's weird because Toronto's a mecca. Toronto is <clears throat> epic. There are so many top – two guys working here like you know like like dc and marvel both their bullpens are full of guys who are right in ontario right now and yeah. it's full of legends here and it's full of new up-and-comers who are just crushing it and you know we we have an epic culture here as far as schooling as far as you know education as far as museums gal like just there's so much opportunity so it's kind of bred this incredible incredible you know upbringing of amazing comic book artists so but there's still always been something missing because it's so epic it misses that small family feel like there's cliques and there's groups of very tight friends who've come up through the years who got to know each other or areas you know there's like the brampton crew and the old school downtown crew and the raid studios crew you know and then all the people who have ever taken a ty templeton book uh, comic book boot camp class it's unreal so 
there's a little more like unity that could be involved. I've tried to bring that home and, you know, it's uh, using the show as a tool to do that. I have found it to be pretty successful. And, you know, yeah. there's, you know, I've gotten to the point now where I can brag that comic books have been created out of people hearing and meeting each other on this show. And that's a beautiful thing, you know, comics that are coming very, very soon. There were very, Morte, David Bishop and Kevin Joseph. Kevin Joseph heard Dave Bishop on my show and thought, this guy feels right. He hadn't even seen his art and he just heard him talking and was like, this feels right. Got in touch and now Morte is coming. And as we found out last week, from Source Point Press. So no. it's just this amazingly beautiful thing right now, especially for me, you know, and, and all these beautiful friends coming together. So, you know, Fan Expo. In fact, you were here for Source Point's first official Canadian show. Yeah. Which was at Toronto Comic Con last year. That was and a fun show. That was a great show. You guys yeah. were kind of in a weird spot, but, you yeah. know, it, it was did so okay. fun, though. That was the first time that I ever worked with. Source Point Press. That was my first. Oh, really? Source Point. Period. I was nervous as shit to be like with you know and you know and right away. I mean, Travis is somebody I feel like uh, I was intimidated. I was like, shit, man. Like I gotta work this really? table with Travis and Casey Pierce. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, and like right away, they just they make you feel like family, you know. And it was great. And uh, we had a great weekend. You know, yeah, it was yeah. uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I actually was uh, I was upset that I couldn't make it there for the big one. Uh, was it just a couple weeks ago? Uh, just weeks two ago. weeks ago, we had a fantastic time. Oh, you seeing know, seeing the pictures, man. Seeing the pictures, I was like, ugh. Yeah, I think I'm going to make that a tradition now too. The an elegant weapons after party soiree because yeah, I was know, it just keeps happen to happen anyway. So we're gonna, we might make that a, a tradition, kids, for all you local creators out there. But uh, it's it's it, it now it just feels right, you know. After like Aisha Han and Sean Daly, you know, two very very hot up and coming Toronto creators, you know, I brought them down to Philly last year where you guys all were as well, and that just fit. Everybody had a great time, and now all the kids here are dying to go out to Motor City, you know. Yeah. Shay and Daly, they they intend on hitting Motor City. Mike Ruth wants to go back to Motor City, and it's just about spreading the word, spreading the love. And these connections click, you know, yeah. and, you know, it, it's beautiful. Um, let me just, it's completely off topic, but back to old topic before I forget it, is uh, the ongoing series uh, issue, you know what I mean? And it, yeah. it, I think Travis is right to the extent that it is difficult to do on a indie scale, but there are some people how I've been able to pull it off, and I think the key is consistency, yeah. And uh, there's a huge book in Toronto right now called The Pitiful Human Lizard. And I think the latest issue is taking a little bit to come out there. Chapter House, what are you doing? <laughs> Let's get some of those books out. But, uh, you know, that's an ongoing book. That's a book that people love, The Black Hole Hunters Club. What, uh, issue 11 or 12? I think 12 just came out. And, uh, you know, these are really successful indie books that have built a little fan base because of the dedication to putting it out like once a month or at least, you know, once every two months or some sort of regular thing where people can stay connected to it. It's not these big droughts in between, just like Doctor Who. What do you mean I got to wait till 2018 to see more Who? Like, <laughs> did you just slam your fist on your desk? I kind of kicked something, <laughs> but yeah, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I just these long periods in between things like I'm a guy who's like I love my series. I love when I have to go to a new comic book day. I get excited about the regular routine of going to get my Batman and my Justice League. My yeah. two ongoings, you know, the Star Wars kind of fluctuates around. Although I've been pretty steady since it's been Marvel, 
But you know, Batman and Justice League have always been my the, that's the, the my big ones that'll never leave, right? And you know, or like my favorite podcast, Hollywood Babylon. Every Monday, I look so forward to my whole week. The tone for my week is set off Hollywood Babylon coming out Monday morning, and I get an hour and a half of fucking laughing my ass off, right? If that show isn't posted on a Monday, it's sad. I'm like literally like, fuck, you know, like that kind of depressed. Like the whole day is shot. It's just, you know, it's not starting out right, you know? So <laughs> I think it's just about dedication. I think it can work on an indie level, Travis. If you just, you know, actually go for it and do it and make it happen, right? Yeah. No, and it, exactly. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, we'll be able to do it in a way that it's not, it's not like one of these things. It's kind of continuous, but it, it will make it feel like it is, you know, like right. it's, it's not something where, my, like I see now a lot Stop where it's like, Bob. Um, I don't want to hear any more of this compromise. Travis, just let it keep going. <laughs> Let it go on like, and on into the stars. <laughs> well, you know, so you guys, yeah. I'm sure you guys will work out whatever's best for all of you as a family, which a family does. It compromises and, you know, and there's more. I'm sure, you know, I'd love as much as I love salvagers and how much fun it is. I'd still want to see more from you as well. You know, like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, we got Shelter Division uh, I'm working on uh, Drexler, which is a project that uh, the artist Nathan Kelly brought me into. Uh, it's kind of really interesting because it's his. I'm just writing it, so you, I, you know, is you definitely take care of it because it's like kind of your first writing gig. It's like your first opportunity to start getting paid, but uh, it's not something where it's I own it. Uh, so you still at the same time like, um, you know, you, you have to. I almost have to treat it like it's more important than my own creations. Uh, because well, that's I, respectful. you know, that's being, yeah. Cause it's like, it's, right? it's, sure. it's, it's his thing. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's less intimate, you know, yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, it is, it's like driving somebody else's car. Totally. You know, exactly. like you want to like your, your own car, you might let it be on a quarter of a tank. You drive somebody else's car, you're going to fill the tank. Uh, you're going to make sure that you clean up, you take the water bottles out. Yeah. So, uh, I do, I, I want to make sure that he's getting the best uh, product from me and, uh, and it, but it's a, it's a, it's a lot of fun working with him, you know, and that's working with people that you're, you know, that you work well with is, is great. And, you know, shelter division is something that, um, that's actually what I pitched first to source point press. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, I pitched that to them and they liked it. They, they, we brought it on and as, uh, you know, and, and again, because it was more something like it was kind of like, uh, it wasn't, it was sci-fi, but it was more like uh, that mystery stuff. And when I saw when the, when I saw what they offered, that's when I was like, "Hey, you know, uh, the, I got the Salvagers thing as well." So it was um, it was kind of like a joint effort. And uh, so it's 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 not just bottlenecking yourself into one thing. Uh, you know, it, it's you see creators all the time where um, like I always look at Robert Hickman and you think like, God, you know, like he, he's got to be like at the point where he's like, I, I want to do something else. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I don't want to be, I don't want to keep doing this, uh, you know, walking dead, but uh, I love doing salvagers and I will always love doing salvagers. I will keep doing salvagers because I feel like I've been with these characters for so long and I have so many other characters that I want to bring in. Right. That, right. Uh, and again, and when you see the fan base, I go back to the uh, the Kickstarter when uh, this is my fourth uh, Kickstarter for Salvagers. And when you see the numbers, is that it? Really? 
Yeah, I mean, like, show me number four. You're like, Jesus, I feel like you've been around for, like, you're, doing, you're always Christ. asking me for you're money. You're always in my face. <laughs> yeah. Always, yeah, well, it's like, yeah, well, one, 30 days seems like it's, like, two years. This is true, yeah. But, uh, you know, when you when you do the Kickstarters and you see the number go up, and you constantly see your number go up, it's, a, it's you know, that affirmation of, like, okay, I'm doing something right. Uh, I'm, I'm gaining more fans than I'm losing. Right. Right. Uh, you know, where like if you did a Kickstarter and then, you know, you got 200 and then the next Kickstarter you did, you got 130. Right. For me, that would be like a red flag to be like, maybe you need to work on, you know, like you, you got to think about it. Now. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, but to see the numbers go up, it's just, um, well, it does, kids, it fuels you. Kids are constantly out there. And I hear it. They even ask me because, you know, I've had so many dozens of Kickstarters on the show over the years. I guess I can pretty much say probably hundreds. I don't know about hundreds, but over a hundred probably at this point. And, you know, I always point to, to certain guys, kids. I always point to guys like Dirk Manning and, you know, Bob Sally. And if you guys want to know what it's like, it's happening right now. Literally. Uh, the Kickstarter campaign is on. Uh, yeah. So quit asking me and just get online and check it out. And you want to see how it's done? Follow along right now. And, uh, it's good times indeed because Bob has embraced the push and he's not one of those guys who asks how to do it. Bob, you're one of those guys who just goddamn well does it. And that's pretty much how it's got to be done. So, um, salvagers, you know, for those not too educated, it's, and I say this, and I know I can say this, and you'll appreciate it, because it's it's not a rip-off in any way. It's very Star Wars. And Bob is a huge Star Wars fan, heavily yeah. inspired. It's not in any way, you know, the story or the characters, but it's a space story, and it's spaceships, and it's junky, and it's blasters, and it's aliens, and it's fucking awesome. So it's it's very Star Wars. If you like Star Wars, you're gonna love Salvagers. You know, maybe a little bit of Guardians type attitude thrown in there. You could say it's not yeah. like it's not they don't like, like each other. Yeah, it's not like an epic fairy tale like Star Wars, but just it feels like the setting. Does that make sense? Am I explaining yeah. that right? Oh, Would absolutely. you rather do no, better it's... about your own goddamn comic? <laughs> No, you know, it's funny because I, I mean, I used to get, I used to get people where, like, I'd post up a picture and they'd be like, ah, oh, you just ripped off Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'd immediately be like, I'd, I'd IM them and I'd be like, what's your email address? And they're like, what do you, I'm like, just, what's your email address? I'm going to send you the, the, the di- issues digitally. Uh, you know, but now I'm like, you, you got to embrace it. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy is awesome. And like, and I realized, like, you know what, the attitude of it is Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like they are, uh, you know, they're it's they're not rebels. They're not uh, explorers. They're people who did not choose to work with each other. They were forced to work with each other, and they don't always get along. It's like but if you they, took that, to. yeah. It's like if you took that crew and threw them in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, exactly. you know what I mean. You know? Like, but but they're it's in no way character for character. That's one thing people have to understand. These are very original characters with very original stories and very original ideas. You know, when you read the book, you can feel. You know, that sci-fi influence from those certain areas. But in no way do you read the book and not think this is totally its own fucking thing at the same time, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that's you know a high honor. Thank you very much, guys. Somebody who's a huge Star Wars fan. I'm a big uh, sci-fi fan in general, which is why I love things like when I discover Salvagers. And Salvagers is in a certain tone. See, sci-fi is even starting to get broken up on its own now. You can find these subgenres, and you know, if Salvagers falls into like a ah, what can I compare it to? Or at least in that in that vein, it's really hard because. It's not like other books, like, say, Staunch Ambition and Neon Black, where it's yeah. very fantastical sci-fi with kind of a, a 70s, uh, you know, uh, uh, trippy kind of electronica feel to it, if that makes sense. You know, yours is more as a straight-ahead sci-fi. Yours is like a superhero book, but not superheroes. Like, it's a sci-fi book treated like a superhero book, you know, with more, you know, concrete kind of stuff going on. Does that make sense? No, yeah, and I and I appreciate that's a, that's that again. That's you're 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 making me feel really good about myself right now. Well, no, I'm just. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, but you know what it is like because I I mean like growing like growing up, I liked sci-fi and I liked superheroes, but I didn't want to do a superhero book. Uh, but I think one of the reasons why originally they were all human, um, and the only reason that I made like the when I started saying I'm like oh, I'm going to make these guys some of them alien is because I wanted to give them some. You know, I don't want to say superhero quality, but I wanted to kind of like, you know, you got Colossus who's got his uh, armor skin. Um, Tyr is a Typernian and his skin is so dense uh, as a as a species, as a as an alien race. Sorry that, um, you know, it's it's the way that they evolved was is that their skin is so dense that it's basically like bulletproof. Right. Um, and Brigby is uh he's a graxon and you know he's like, kind of like a lizard type uh, alien and he can regenerate his limbs so i i you know, i, I kind of wanted to have aliens so they could have superhero qualities but at the same time i didn't i, I didn't want it to be like this amazing ability i almost wanted to make it uh as a, it, it's more it's an x-men ability. than justice league yeah, like yeah. it's like well, Brigby gets his arm cut off. Uh, you know, he he gets sick. Uh, he could he could get sick and die because his whole immune system goes toward regenerating the arm. Where if he you know if, if he got the flu, it would kill him. That's smart. Uh, You're so smart. it's like an ability that's a weakness. So there's and and and, I, and as a writer, like you you think of the possibilities of like characterization in that. Uh, you know, like just like um, you know thinking about the moments like where. He's got his arm caught in something and, you know, Captain Ronick's like, I'm just going to cut it off. And he's like, no, 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 don't cut it off. He's like, you're stuck in this. I'm just going to cut it off. And he's like, no, 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 don't cut it off. But it's like, but you have the ability to regenerate it. But he's like, but I still don't want you to do it. Yeah. You know, like yeah, where, yeah. you know, like where anybody else would be like, yeah, just, yeah, it'd be like, just cut it off. It'll grow back. But he's like, no, 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 but it's going to hurt. Yeah. And, and you know, it's a, it's like little things like that. Um, and one it's of like the, the needle, ways, it'll make you feel better, but you don't want that better. damn needle. But, uh, you know, one of the things I was having a conversation with somebody and there's a, a scene that I'm writing and and it was uh, the guy said he was like, as soon as you said that, he was like, oh, I'm totally on board with this. But it was uh, one of the things I've always had a problem with in the sci fi world that I get like when you're watching a movie. It's the fact that like no matter who what character jumps on what ship, they know how to fly it. Yeah. Yeah. And and, like, and I was like, you know, what? in my comic book, like that's not the case. Like. I want them to be like, all right, get your, you know, your futuristic iPad out, go to like the futuristic Google page and start giving me instructions on how to fly this ship because I've never flown one before. 
uh, you know, things like that, like that. And, and that's just like a, a, an idea of like how the whole world, like that, that, that whole galaxy and the world building is going to be is it's not going to be like where it's like, oh, I've never been on this ship before, but it's standard throughout the galaxy. You know, I mean, even like in this yeah. world, like you go to England, the steering wheels on the other side, like how many people have been in a car in England where they're like, shit, this is different. You know, like I, I got to get used to this. Yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah. It, but yeah, you watch like, you know, Captain Kirk get well, on, you know, like, you know, it's, it's no, it's like, look at America. Fahrenheit. Really guys? Yeah. Really? Miles? <laughs> really guys? I mean, you're really? talking to an American. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand <laughs> kilometers. Yeah, but, but I do like clicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, clicks are good. Yeah, it's about clicks. Click sounds, clicks yeah, clicks sounds road, good. Yeah, clicks sounds good. Yeah, clicks sounds good. Clicks is would be more of a Boston like word too. You know, they'd be like, ah, it's about two clicks up the road to have. Yeah, it, you, you know? are, yeah, you want to go to Fenway <laughs> Park? It's about two clicks that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good time. So what's up with Boston? Like, you know, I know you and Ben. Where's the rest of Boston? What's going on down in Boston? Where's the comic books, Boston? Uh, well, I mean, I we're trying. I mean, like I, I'm inspired by Michigan comic books, uh, you know, the comic book world out in Michigan. And you you, you talked about it. Uh, you know, it's it's amazing how they are out there. And, uh, you know, you talk to like Seth Moose and like, any time you thank him for anything that he does, you know, the two words that come out of his mouth, same team. Same yeah, team. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? so, and it's like yeah. and, and to be – to not know what that's like and uh, to go out there and to start meeting these people, it's amazing that, you know, you just the, – the, the level of uh, camaraderie and, uh, and helpfulness, you know, it's – and there's nobody out there that looks at this as a competition. And when you – if you ever come into the indie world, don't think that, you know, there's uh, – you know, Tom – you know, Dick and Harry are out there with all with three dollars, and that you're all fighting for that three dollars. You know, if you're putting out a quality book, they're gonna they're gonna figure out a way to buy it. You know, and, for and sure. I would never sit there and be like, you know, oh, don't check out anything that uh, you know these guys are doing or these guys are doing. Like, you know, what? if you like my book, then you know, definitely check out these guys because uh, you might like that as well. And and I you, know, I, you always look at like anybody that succeeds in this indie community is only good for the other people that are in indie community. If Marvel finds somebody who's writing indie comics, don't you think that they're going to be like, oh, well, obviously this guy is just a needle in a haystack of talent out there. Right. So it's going to raise their eyebrows to say like, well, let's see what who else is out there. You know, yeah. who else is doing stuff out there? So. That's why it's smart to, you know, to push each other and to and we've promote seen each it. other. You know, we see the support that even from the upper guys, you know, the guys like Ryan Stegman, the guys like Fabok, the guys like Ty Templeton who pass it on <clears throat> and yeah. they support. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's a beautiful thing to see. It's gorgeous. So, you know, so, you, I mean, I, yeah, I, uh, I mean, just real quick. I mean, uh, I met Nick Dragota at Boston Comic Con last year and, uh, you know, he and I just talked briefly. Uh, I'm a big fan of East of West and I'm doing shelter division. And, uh, you know, and I, I asked him, I was like, you know, I, you know, how much, you know, could I, you know, how much would a commission be to have you do a cover for uh, my comic book shelter division? And he said, he was like, gave me his email address. And he said, he's like, you know, I'll, I'll hook you up. And, uh, and still like, I mean, I, I kind of, you know, he's like, you know, make you know, call, like hit me up on email. Like we'll talk and I'll, I'll hook you up. 
So as we're talking and everything, I'm like, I, I have no idea how much this is going to cost me. Like he's not talking about price. He just keeps saying like, you know, don't worry about it. I'm going to hook you up. And uh, when it was all said and done, he was like, no, man. He's like, oh, you know, I, I want to support you and I want to help you out. He's like, uh, you know, it's nothing like just, in, you know, and he even sent me the original artwork and he paid for the mailing of it. I didn't wow. pay this guy a dime for it. And I'll tell you, like, I mean, like that right there alone is like, that's huge. Like that somebody like, you know, Nick Dragota, uh, who has done work for DC and, uh, I mean, like East of West is just amazing that he just like took the time and this guy's got white. Oh, where'd you go? Where'd you go, Bob? I'm here. Making me have to edit shit. What kind of crap is that? Can you, can you hear, me? hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't go anywhere. Yeah, you did for like, you went, you got cut off for like 10 seconds and then you came oh. back. It was probably just a lag in the universe. <clears throat> telling yeah. you that well, you anyway, probably... it was, it basically yeah. it was just me saying how awesome Nick Dragota is and uh, the fact that he just, you know, he, he took yeah, the time man, to do the work and yeah, yeah it's, and, that and that's you, where. That gives you so much juice to go for how much longer, right? Exactly. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. so. So yeah, so I'm very excited about uh, where I where I was three years ago, where I am now, and um, yeah, I mean, can't say enough about uh, SourcePoint Press, Josh Warner, Travis McIntyre, the whole crew over there. They're amazing, and uh, you know, big things are going to be coming from SourcePoint Press very, very soon. Very, very excited about it. Um, give the people the deets on the current Kickstarter that they all need to follow if they want to learn how to kickstart. Yeah, uh, you. GoSalvagers.com. We are already uh, over 100% funded, so which means that we are now giving things well, away. Well, la-dee-da. <clears throat> Why the hell are you even on this show? And you know what? <laughs> well, I bet you next week you're going to show up on like five other podcasts, aren't you? <laughs> that always happens. Someone's got a Kickstarter, and then they're like, oh, can I be want to hook up this pod? Sure, man. And then like I put an episode out, and like for the next following four days, like – Every podcast I know has the same person on it. Well, I promise you, you yeah, are the, cool. I'm the only cool. one that I'm doing. I I'm actually, it's good. cool yeah. that it's, there's like a circuit now. Like we've created a podcast circuit where well, and I'm it's proud true. to be yeah. one of like five or six pods that people feel the need to do when they have something they want to get out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm, I remember like there was a point where I think I was talking to three different podcasts and uh, and we scheduled it. I mean, Derek Becker was like, "Well, I'm not going to do it if you're there. Yeah. Well, well, I will wait two weeks." And I was like, I, "And I was like, I totally get it." <clears throat> but um, you know, I'm smarter now. I mean, like I I know like you know it, it's it's I I love doing. I could do your show and I don't need to do another show for another two weeks. Oh, you're a but uh, but you yeah, know why but, you're good though, Bob, is because there's a lot of people and it can be disappointing when you. You know, you have a show, and as much as it's not all about being huge, but you do want people to hear it. And when I spend the time to have a nice conversation with someone for an hour that a lot of the time I've never met before, and then they just go silent once it's out there. You let them know oh, it's yeah. up, and then they don't push it. You know, you put like, it all – I know for a fact that when I publish this, you're going to put it all over the goddamn internet. Oh, yeah. You know, where a lot of people, like, you hardly get a retweet. And it's like, really? Didn't you come on so people <laughs> yeah, exactly. would get to it's, know it's, you? Like, help yeah. – the, you know, that's a lot of the cost. So kids, if you are on, remember afterwards, it doesn't just end there. It's not just the podcast job to promote for you this is a team effort promote for them yeah, yeah exactly this is I mean, a it's, team it's effort, a man, relationship you know? you know, absolutely we, you do 
you do the podcast and I get my name out in the podcast community and then you get your name out in my indie comic world. It's the way it works, man. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's... And see, so you were all able to sit here and listen to an absolutely beautiful sounding conversation. You know, even though you can tell Bob's on another line, because yes, he's in Baston <laughs> and I'm in Toronto over here, is the fact that he cared enough to go out and get a decent mic. Like, yeah, you got a real oh. nice Blue Yeti, which you don't even necessarily have to go that hardcore, kids. Uh, you know, and just get a USB mic. It's very simple. Half the time you'll have people come on a podcast, and I can't believe how often I have to pe ask people to put their headphones on. And it's like, yes, you know, think about it. Of course my computer can hear me coming through your computer, right? Yeah. Like, you got to have the headphones on. So, you know, kids, if you're going to be on a podcast, you know, there, there are a few tips. Actually, you know, I'll give a kind of out-of-the-blue plug, but early, I can't remember what show it was, but Derek Becker of Comic Pros and Cons and Dirk Manning did a panel together about uh, creators being on podcasts, about if you're a comic creator and what to do and how to go about being on a podcast. And there's a lot of good advice there. So if people want to go to a comic... Uh, comicprosandcons.com and look back a little uh, you'll actually find that it was only like a couple months ago um, but yeah that was a cool thing that they did you know giving info on doing that like just the basics try to get a decent mic if you're going to do a lot of podcasting you know yeah I mean and, and again like how I like I said I got the Blue Yeti because I was listening to my own podcast and I was like I was like I sound terrible and I immediately wanted to turn it off right so right. I, and I was like thinking like I don't want people like if I'm taking the time to talk to you for an hour and a half, I don't want people in the first five minutes to be like, oh, it sounds like shit, like turn it off. So that's like, all right, everything yeah. that I just talked about and promoted and everything just went to shit because I sound so bad and echoey that people are like, oh, I don't even want to listen to it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you, you, you definitely if, if you're investing in yourself, you need to buy a Blue Yeti. If you're going to be doing podcasts. Buy a blue yeti. Yeah, or use the USB mic. Okay, don't. Oh well, yeah, it's yeah. It's just the, if it's a USB don't mic, just, you should be okay. But yeah, none of this laptop mic. Laptop, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna work out too great. Um, Bob, before I let you go. Yeah. Star Wars. Star Wars. Uh, things so excited. Was it like uh, less than a hundred days away? It's yeah. It's like ninety-eight days away or something. Yeah. Uh, there, there have been some maneuverings going on in the Star Wars galaxy. As Colin Trevorrow, is it Trevorrow or Trevorrow, yep. as people like to say, tomato or tomato, uh, Bob Sally or Bob Sally, it's your choice. Um, but he's been fired. It's like the fifth, yeah. fourth or fifth Star Wars director to let go. Uh, and JJ is coming back for episode nine. How do you feel about this occurrence? Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of J.J. Abrams. I'm surprised because of some of the rumors that were flying around about how J.J. Abrams felt like his hands were tied with uh the the one that he did um so i'm but part of me is thinking a little optimistic where if they're like okay we're firing this guy then jj abrams has maybe the you know the trump card where he's like okay well if i'm gonna come back you're gonna kind of have to let me because disney i mean we all know like i don't care if you're jj abrams or whoever like disney is disney and yeah they're gonna do what they want to do, but I'm hoping that J.J. Abrams now is like, okay, well, you had my hands tied on that one. You're gonna, if I'm gonna do this, you're gonna have to let me do a few things the way I want to right. do it. Yeah. Um. I mean, I love J.J. Abrams. You know, I mean, I think that he uh, he's definitely somebody who 
brings out the characters. Um, I'm excited. I- you know, you know, Force Awakens was a well-made movie. It was beautifully shot. It looked amazing. J.J. did great for his job. The only complaint anyone had about that story was it mimicking A New Hope yeah. too much. So maybe a lot of this is his opportunity to, you know, get a little away from that. You know, maybe a little a bit of a redemption story going on. Not that but that's, what I, that's exactly redem- what I mean. Redeeming. I love J.J. too. But yeah, absolutely. Maybe this is where he gets to do something. Yeah, he'll totally be like, okay, this one's got to be a little bit more out of the bag. But they're also, I don't want to say scramble mode, but this is in no way what they were planning before Carrie died, right? Yeah. So this has got to be a whole new deal. They're scrapping everything and starting absolutely fresh but one thing that I do want to say about uh, The Force Awakens is I was not a big – I mean I enjoyed it. I wasn't nearly as a big fan of it as um, any of the other movies. And I'm even talking Phantom Menace. I agree. So I know you might just like cut me off oh, and be gosh, like – Oh, no. You know me, Bob. So, I'm a huge yeah. prequel apologist. I loved all three but, of the prequels yeah. more than The Force Awakens because they were the, original so, – the Force Awakens, I watched uh, the YouTube where they're talking about Rey being a Palpatine. Whatever. It's bullshit. All that familial well, shit, I think, is bullshit. But no, but you know what? And I know, and this is the thing, because I know a lot of people are going to be like, now they're going to be like, there's no way I'm going to support his comic book. I'm not going to support his Kickstarter. But <laughs> when I when I watched when I watched that YouTube, I was like, I kind of was kind of like, all right, like, I mean, that maybe that's what they're doing, you know? And then when I, and then I went back and I watched Force Awakens again and I liked it. I liked it a lot. Right. After watching the whole, you know, Ray being a Palpatine YouTube thing, I liked the Force Awakens a lot. I liked it like because it's one of, I my, watch it. yeah. my favorite character was Kylo Ren and everybody hated Kylo Ren. And I'm like, this is like a millennials villain. Like, this is a guy, like, this is like a, you know, a kid who is just pissed and he hates mom and dad. Like, this is a millennial villain. And I could totally see him coming around and being like the Darth Vader. Like, that I could see it going the other way, dude. What, Kylo Ren going bad? They keep talking about how this next movie is going to have a twist unlike ever before in the Star Wars history. And I think that. There is a strong possibility by the end of this trilogy that Kylo Ren actually comes back to the light. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I think so. That's what. Oh, the you think he'll have a Vader change in the end? I think he comes no, back. I think far he comes back that. in the next one. Yeah, oh, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think that we see that Ray. I mean, I again, I would like that, and I know people are like, no. Nah, nah. And if you see Disney, right? Disney's like, no, we we have to have our princess. You know, it's a. Like, but like, what if, like, what if Disney's like right now, like, no, like, let's really turn this shit on its head and let's make Ray be the bad guy and Kylo come back to be the good guy. And like, and if they did, I would applaud that. I would be like, thank you for giving me something that everybody yeah. thought was impossible yeah, to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I would love to see. Cause you know what? I love that, that like Ray, the actress, uh, like I love her yeah, and Daisy I would Ridley. love to, yeah. I would love to see her bad. It'd be and, interesting, uh, man. It'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah for sure. But I know. I know. Like, I mean, I know when that came out, like I posted that on Facebook and people are like, get off it. Like, it's, it's, it's bullshit. But I'm like, but if you watch it, it's the guy makes a There's lot so of really good points. Oh, dude, I've watched tons of those videos, too. And With Jar Jar being. Yeah, uh, they do good stuff. job. See, I uh, I read Darth Plagueis, the novel. Yep. And if you read Darth Plagueis, the last third of the novel happens during the exact same time as Phantom Menace. It's literally new scenes for the movie that you don't see going on. 
and oh. it flushes the whole political aspect of everything out so much that it's it's beautiful. It makes Phantom Menace a far better film when you I should, actually. I, I, I want to watch that. I wanna, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't that. think it counts as canon anymore. That novel well, because there's a bunch of stuff they changed in it, but. I mean, this novel's amazing. It has the origin of Darth Maul and Savage Press. Like, yeah, just, I want to read that. It's 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 an incredible novel. It's one of my favorite Star Wars novels. That one I of read. the things, like the, when they got rid of the canon, I was like, you can't. Well, you know, they proved you. Know, you, wrong, you could say I, that, I had agreed. You know, you could say it's gone. Like, forget about it. It doesn't count anymore. But you can't. Like, there's no way that diehard Star Wars fans are going to be like, okay. Like the like that's that's gonna well, be like the folklore. Thing, Bob, here's the thing, Bob, is they kept a promise that they made, because their promise was that the EU will still exist to pick and choose from, and they will cherry pick it. And we figured at the time they were telling us that to like, you know, placate us, right, and kind of be like, there might be an Easter egg here or an Easter egg there. But what did they do? Is they went so far above and beyond. To the extent of bringing back Grand Admiral Thrawn, bringing yeah. in the Bendu, like so much wasn't just cherry picked. They full on were like, no, yeah, you know what? We'll make this entire canon, you know, character canon. We have to change a few things to fit, which I'm totally okay with because that's yeah. what, that's what Marvel does with every movie they make is they yeah. have to tweak those comics to make them kind of fit the cinematic world. And basically, what Star Wars is doing is being like, okay, look, we had to make these new movies, so all this other literature and everything that was made to fit those old movies, we'll take stuff from that, but it's going to have to be tweaked for the new movies because it all comes back to the movies. It's all about the movies. Star Wars was born and will die as a movie. Yeah. And all the wonderful, beautiful stuff that is built out from it, I am amazed and so happy with everything that they have actually used from the EU that I'm okay with what happened. I was hurt. I had 20 years of dark horse star Wars comic <laughs> books in long boxes downstairs, shelves, burned. Of, shelves of novels, you know, that, you know, mean like nothing now, but they actually kind of do because it'll be cool for, to go back and see the, where these ideas came from for all this <clears throat> new stuff that they're doing. Right. Yeah. So I think it's great, man. I think it's fantastic. I'm, I, you know, I have all faith in JJ. I think he's going to make oh, yeah. a good movie either way. I am so excited for The Last Jedi, though, that I really yeah. hoped they'd let Rian Johnson just go because everything I've seen, the style is already my favorite Star Wars, you know, looking movie that I've seen. Yeah. And the stuff that I hear might happen, just blowing my mind. And it's all going to be Jedi. And that's what I'm all about. I'm all about the yeah. Jedi. I don't even love Star Wars for the Star Wars. I love it. I'm a Jedi fan. Huh. The like chronology, the, the history. Yeah, for me, it's about the all of that. So this movie... See, I wasn't excited about Force Awakens partly because no lightsabers, no Jedi. Not going to talk about it much. You know, So there wasn't tons there for me. Whereas even Rogue One had more stuff for me. Because the second they mentioned Guardian of the Will, yeah. I, I was like... Oh, oh, and just my my <laughs> pants were wet instantly when I heard that. There was so much cool Jedi shit. Just the giant statue lying in the sand on uh, on Jeddah. You know, like I was amazed. And this is where the Kyber crystals come from. Like super yeah. cool. That's what I wanted. So I actually got more Jedi stuff out of Rogue One. 
than I did Force Awakens, which I think Last Jedi will be a lot more Rogue One-ish that way, where we're going to see, you know, a lot of the history. And we we have to, have to, have to, have to. There's no way they don't put a Force ghost in this movie. There's been oh, far too to. much upcry, right? Like, I mean, they, if they, yeah, they have. Yeah, to. we have to see it. So, you know, that's uh, me and Bob Sally's two cents on the, <laughs> on the current state of the Star Wars scene. Um, Bob, this is always so much fun, my friend. Ah, uh, dude, I mean, I'd... sure you call me up anytime to fucking <clears throat> chat it out. Yeah. And, uh, it's always a pleasure to have you grace an elegant weapon, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. GhostSalvagers.com. If you, uh, if you're looking for, uh, Firefly meets Sanford and Son, as, uh, our friend nice. David Hayes coined it. Nice. Uh, you know, I always tell people anytime <laughs> I see anybody wearing a Firefly shirt, I'm like, uh, are you looking to, are you looking to fill that hole that I is left in your it. soul? I love uh, you know, and they usually always buy it. But yeah, GhostSalvagers.com. We have everything from a $3 reward to a $300 reward. So there's always something in there for everybody. Thank you so much for having me on. And, um, I can't wait to see you in New York. Oh, that's right. New York City Comic Con. You know, I'm less than a month. I've never been to New York City. Oh. So yeah. I'm I, I, I'm a little distracted by just the fact that I'm going to the city, never mind the Comic Con. Like, and you won't, and you probably won't see an ounce of the city. Oh, dude, I'm, I gotta see something, dude. I'm so, <laughs> yeah, no, we'll so go excited. out. We're gonna have I'm going fun. To the I'm home, looking to I'm going to the home base of the Slackers, and if they happen to be in town, I may have to actually search yeah. them out and be like, "Yo." So, uh, yeah, like like the man said, Salvagers dot com. Bob, go Salvagers. Go, go, go Salvagers. Salvagers. Go SourcePoint Press. SourcePointPress dot com. Travis, you madman. Keep this comic book going. Figure something out. So much cool stuff. Uh, kids, that's Bob Sally. That's the Salvagers. And that is all. Thank you so much. We are going to have this week on An Elegant Weapon. Take it easy. Beautiful, Bob. <laughs>